Sunday morning, reaching towards the afternoon, and me bopping in my ACU. Hold up, both cups. Show no shame in Jesus' name, man. I mean, hold that shame up high. When I say hold up both cups, hold up both cups. The world already sees your outside dirt, but God saw the inside and still let you in the door. Do you realize what you're stepping in? That's that favor. That's that glory. That's that forgiveness that only God can give, man. So come as you are. The doors of the church are open. This is Church with a Double Cup, and I'm none other than your brother, XL Wilbur, reporting to you live from your side. So here we go. This is the Bible study podcast that questions God. And when I say that for my new listeners, it's all about asking questions as we read along. If you'll never get the answer if you don't ask the questions, then God is there to answer all, is the answer to all. You dig what I'm saying? Dig what I'm saying? <laughs> and it may sound a little different as far as the acoustics this week because I'm actually out of town in a hotel. I'm actually on duty, like military duty. I'm not in on duty right now, but at the same time, I'm here for a duty assignment. And I'm actually recording this out of my hotel room. We ain't going to let nothing stop us, man. We're going to get this word in. You did. And per usual for King David or whatever form of David that may have been writing the Psalms, he goes in from the very beginning of this psalm. The one thing I always appreciated about David's Psalms particularly is because he made me question my devotion to God. He made me question what my relationship with God was built on. Like, dude, you see the depth that he's going in? He like made it so characteristic the things he wanted from God and how he wanted God to do these things for him and with him and in him. Like a man after God's own heart was the only way you could describe somebody with that type of devotion for their relationship with God. It like it was, it was paramount. It had to be that he had to be a man after God's own heart because he was digging so deep in these Psalms. And that's why I love the ones that are attributed to David because David put his heart into them. And this one isn't any different. As we look at Psalms 103, he starts off verse 1, and I'm reading from the New International Version, but I will direct you guys if I go to a different translation. Verse 1, praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Now, the version that I'm used to hearing is the King James Version, which says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And what makes it so funny to me is whenever I, <laughs> whenever I hear this verse in the King James Version, it always reminds me of the Ty Trebit song, that's where the song is practically him reading this. And he was basically like, bless the Lord. Oh my soul! That part right there. <laughs> and it just like cracks me up. It brings me joy when I hear this. And this basically reminds me of that song. Because every time you hear the like the music that begins it, if you ever heard the song, it's like, when is the cast of the Wiz gonna pop out? <laughs> and that's how I always felt about this very verse. And it's crazy. So um, but we're gonna get back into a new international version. Verse two, it says, Praise the Lord my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So when you talk about verse one and two, we're going to switch to the message Bible. And he says, oh, my soul, bless God from head to toe. I'll bless his holy name. Oh, my soul, bless God. Don't forget a single blessing. Now, the thing about it is when you put verse one and two together and you look in this message Bible version, it calls for us to praise God, not just by lip service, but with our very own soul. This translation tells us from head to toe. So that reinforces the, the fact that the soul doesn't have a particular location in the body. It encompasses the entire thing. 
And I thought that was so paramount right there because I was like, all right, cool, head to toe. The soul ain't in the head or the toe. It's all over. So with this entire being is what David is saying he wants to praise God with. So as we go to verse three, it says, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Beneficial. Don't forget his benefits is what it said in verse two. And then verse three just says he forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. There ain't no small orders right there. His benefits. The benefits of God being in your life. And he says, I want to praise that, that being. I want to praise that one whose benefits are this. Yeah, yeah. And he said, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. So that means somebody who loves you enough to know that you was dirt at one point. Know that you was down on the dumps. Even when you was down there, even when we down there. A lot of people that are listening to it right now, we new believers or we're people that's coming back into our walk. And it's like, Knowing that we were down there at one point in time and he still picked us up, not only picked us up, but it says he crowns you with love and compassion. So he dresses you up for royalty because that's who you are in God's eyes. That's something. Verse five says, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. My goodness. So he's still he's still going in at it. He's still talking about the benefits of God. The one who's doing all these great things for people who feel like they don't measure up. And he knew we weren't at the right place at the right time or we weren't in the right mind with the right heart at all. But he still picked us up from that pit. He still rescued us from that space. And that's the blessing. So he's still talking about his benefits here. And in this particular one, when he talks about your youth is renewed like the eagles. It goes to Isaiah chapter 40, where this verse is referenced. And particularly verse 31 of chapter 40 in Isaiah. He said, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. But wait, 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 wait. All right, God. I see the reference, and this is where I stopped to ask the question. I'm like, all right, I see the reference, but and you know how I feel when you start a verse with but, therefore, thus, I have to know what came before that. So I'm going to do us the diligence of going back to Isaiah 40 and verse 29, and we're going to read that through verse 31. And 29 says, he gives strength to the weary and increase the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Now, that's a familiar text for a lot of us because it's like you mount up with wings like eagles. And ever since then, I've looked at eagles very different. And I mean it. I've looked at eagles very different because you got to see. You got to see the strength in an eagle. An eagle, they say, can pick up a horse, something that's. Multiple times its size, multiple times its weight, but the strength of that eagle. Renew up their strength like eagles. Whoever wrote this in ancient times knew what they were talking about. When this was revealed to Isaiah, he knew, he knew what he was talking about. He said they will soar on wings like eagles. And he talked about the strength. They will renew their strength because the strength of an eagle is unmatched. And he said that you're going to renew your strength in the same manner. You are built with the strength 
to move mountains. You are built with the strength to overcome things that are not being able to be seen with the naked eye. It ain't all about pushing something out your way physically. It's about pushing something out your way mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. That's the thing we're walking in. And I love the fact that we can be reinforced by what David is saying here, that God, even though with all his benefits and all the great things he's doing, he's still able to renew us when we feel like we don't measure up. He's still able to strengthen us when we ain't picked up a weight, when dumbbell, no barbell, no nothing. He's still able to renew us and strengthen us from the inside. Strengthen our walk, strengthen our spirit to take on anything that tries to come against it. Now, verse 6 talks about the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Now, this verse right here, this verse right here, <laughs> it had me rethinking a phrase and actually an actual belief I had prior to reading this verse. Now, I've had a history with law enforcement, and some of you know what that phrase means when I say had a history with law enforcement. I wasn't necessarily backing the blue, but I was in back of the blue. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Your brother ain't too far removed, man. It's like, I know what it feels like. I've been there. And when I started to see God's mercy work in courtrooms where people actually clapped when I left out because of God's mercy showing up in the courtroom, like the victory was that big. And I can only say, man, prayer works, you know, prayer works. I had to give God the glory in that. I didn't do nothing. All I did was show up and do what I need to do with prayer on my mind. So it had me thinking of a saying because I associated justice with the law. And I used to say justice is meant to bring up your past. Mercy erases it. But here in this very verse, it says the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. So when you talk about this psalm, this whole chapter being about mercy, God's mercy and yet, in the very same chapter, it says something about God working justice. I couldn't put those two things in separate categories. And I was putting a limit on God, not even knowing it, thinking that man's justice was the only justice. And not thinking that God could deliver justice. And it says it right here. He works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. So those two things I put in different categories, I couldn't no more. God is all. And he encompasses all. So anything that is good, anything that is righteous, God's got it. And basically what it said right here is that the mercy and justice that you separate, homeboy, yeah, yeah, I, I got all that. I do all that. And I know that justice is not like man's justice at all. God is a just God. And he wants us to be just as he is just. And holy as he is holy, like we said last week, it's in the word. And he tells us right here, he works the righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. So verse seven says he made his ways known to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. He's reminding us here that the relationship he had with Moses and Moses didn't think he measured up. He's talking about the justice for the oppressed. He's working it out and he gives us an example straight off the bat. And it says verse eight, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He's telling us that even with the people of Israel, his chosen, which he talked about in the prior verse, the Lord was compassionate and gracious. If any of us know the story of the Israelites when Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt, yeah, they had a lot of times where they just turned their back on God. Throughout the Bible, that's basically what the Israelites were doing. They were coming back to God, turning, turning away from God, coming back to God, turning away from God. And God was just so merciful and graceful and loving that he, he was slow to anger he let them bump their head a couple times. Let them get snatched up by their enemies a couple times. Sent reinforcements to be like, hey, yo, the, the prophets, all these people, these people just giving the message, tell them God still loves you. He's telling you this is what he's going to do. 
if you don't get yourself together. But here's how you get yourself together. He didn't leave him hanging, but at the same time, we we living in that same place. We ain't got to be Israelites. We ain't got to never have touched Egypt. We ain't never got to have met nobody named Moses. Guess what? We can still fit in that category where God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love when he looks at us. And to give you a little more scripture on it, we have a reference verse, James chapter 5, verse 11. As you know, we count it as blessed those who have persevered. Perseverance, not giving up. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And I says, this is a reinforcement right here. It says, God is slow to anger, abounding in love. He can wait. God is patient. And it says, if we don't give up on him, if we know that God is going to get us through the hard times, he's full of compassion and mercy. Even when it's our fault that we're in that place, he's full of compassion to be patient. And wait for us to come back to him because that's all he wants. And mercy. Because like my prior belief that justice brings up your past, mercy erases it. Even with this, knowing that God is possessive of justice, he still holds mercy as well. And that mercy erases the hard stuff I put on myself. The evil thoughts I put on myself. The regrets I put on myself. God was still full of mercy and compassion to be patient with me. But it says right here when Job didn't give up, even when all the bad things in the world were happening, when I didn't forget God, when he didn't forget God, when you didn't forget God, guess what? God never forgot you. Even when we did forget, God didn't forget us. And that, that, that's powerful. You say he's slow to anger. He's still abounding in love. So that means he never got out of love with us, even if we fell out of love with him. It says verse 9. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Now, I didn't say the Lord didn't get mad because he did. It shows in the Bible where he has gotten angry before, but he didn't harbor his anger forever. He stayed mad for a little while, but he never lost love for us. And I know one thing. Talk to me and my queen. Yeah, I said, she's the reason. And I know this is why we were meant to be together, <laughs> because ain't nobody make you hate more than the person you love ain't nobody that can make you hate more than the person you love i promise you that person can get on your everlasting nerve <laughs> i'm talking to somebody out there and you you're gonna be there for them because you that love is stronger than that misfeeling of whatever it is they done, that frustration with whatever they done, said, or whatever it was. It will overcome that. That love will overcome that. That's what it says right here. He won't harbor his anger forever because he loves us too much. Now, in verse 10, it says he does not treat us as our sin deserves or repay us according to our iniquities. Iniquities, of course, are synonymous to sins. So verse 11 says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Now, when we talk about fear, a lot of people get confused and they think, well, why am I supposed to be scared of God if he loves me so much? How am I supposed to want to be close to this God if, he, if, he, if, if I'm supposed to be scared of him? And that's a good question. That's a very good question. When we talk about fear, though, in the Bible, when it talks about fearing God, it talks about showing reverence, showing respect. That's where that fear, that's what that fear translates into, is showing a respect and a reverence for God. Not necessarily boogeyman, spook, goop, like all this stuff. No, we don't know. No. God wants a relationship with us. Why would he want to scare you? That's what, That's something I would question if that was supposed to be my belief system. But it's not. 
We serve a God of love. We still breathing. God's love. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's very, it's very easy to comprehend. So when we talk about verse 12, moving along, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So as far as the east is from the west, when you say this, so far has he moved our transgressions from us. I'm looking at myself like the east-west conference game in basketball, the NBA. They have an east versus west conference game. So when they have that game, you're getting the best from both coasts. And they're coming together to head off. But when he talks about my transgressions, he talks about how he removed them from me. As far as east is from west. These players got to come from two different sides of the country. In this one place to meet, to meet up to battle. And I think about me being a walking east-west conference game when I keep carrying my transgressions around. It says it right here. He's removed them from us. But we... A lot of times, choose to pick them back up. And I know many a times I've been a walking East-West Conference game. Have you? <laughs> Just be honest. This is what we're here for. It's, we're here to peel back the layers of things that are keeping us from going forward and moving towards a meaningful relationship with God. And his word is basically telling it to us fact by fact. Yo, this is, this is what I want. This is what I've done. This is how you and me can become a little closer. All I need you to do is listen. Hearing, faith come by hearing. The word said that, not me. So when we talk about verse 13, it's a big chunk of it, 13 to 18, that I thought was very prevalent. And it flows together because it's talking about us. As a father has compassion on his children, that's us. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, respect him. For he knows we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like the flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. Now, I want to talk about this. I, put, I, like the, I stopped at 17, but it's a big chunk. And it says a lot. It talks about how fleeting man's life is. A lot of people don't respect life right now. A lot of people are indulging in things. A lot of us have indulged in things that put people in graves, but for the grace of God, we still here. And then when you look at something like this, it's telling you, even with all that, even as God knows that we were made out of dirt, he made us. He knows how finite and fragile we can be. He knows temptation is out there. He knows he gave us free will to choose. But even with that, he still loves us enough to say to give us steps to come back to him, to still want a relationship with us. He created us for that. And even more so, you look at investments. It talks about it right in here in verse 17. We says, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. So that means the time I invest with God now pays off in the life of my descendants. The life, <laughs> yo, I don't think y'all got it. Like the life that we lead now is an investment to be blessings for our children's children. That's how I'm living right now. That's exactly how I'm living. I'm thinking about what is my grandkids going to think when they hear my name? Will they know my name? Because, of, of course, both my parents were adopted. So when you talk about that, I only know so far back in my lineage. 
So with that being said, I want to know, I want my, my great-grandchildren to know, if I live to see them, I want them to know Granddaddy did something with it. Like, if I don't, if I know anything about my grandfathers that I was raised with, I know that they were spiritual men. My daughter asked me that the other day. She was like, who is the most influential person in your life? I told her my granddaddies. Because they both led me on a spiritual path to where I know the, if you got a good spiritual walk, if you have a spiritual insight at all, it's going to help you in every other aspect of your life. So, the investment, the time they invested with God is what's paying off in my life right now. My children's life, my children's children's life. And the thing is, if I keep building up on that investment, I'm just adding more to the investment. Because their righteousness is already accounted to my life. In the same way your life is like moving right now and your relationship with God is building, with you just listening to this podcast and you studying your Bible on your own, yeah, that investment... It's going to grow just like if you put money into a stock. That investment is going to do great if that stock grows. But when you talk about investing with God, he's already accounting it to your children's children. Like you don't have you, you don't have to do anything for us like watching whether it goes up or down. God is always going to be a value. And when he's a, and he's a value to you right now. He's going to continue to appreciate, not depreciate. He's going to continue to go up in value. He's going to continue to go up in value in your life as long as you continue to invest. Now, you got stocks that you put money into, and if you keep investing money in them, guess what? They might lose money. Not with God. You don't lose with God. God is a winner. He loves winners. He made winners. We are winners. More than conquerors. Winners. And it's just a blessing to know that that type of investment, just giving time to God, is paying off for your children's children right now. It just said it right here in the Word. And his love outlasts us. So that's why his love is so great. Then you talk about in verse 18, with those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts. And I always wondered, what is a precept? but never gave it the diligence to look it up. So today I did, and it said, Precept, a general rule intended to regulate behavior or thought. So, it's a general rule, and it's meant to regulate behavior or thought, how we behave and how we think. He said, keep the covenant. Remember my rule to regulate behavior or thought, to regulate how you carry yourself. To regulate your mind state. Just remember. Remember the word I'm giving you. Remember the encouragement I'm sending people to give you about me. And let that influence how you behave and how you think. Let me, help me change your mind. Because right now you may be thinking that you don't measure up. And I want you to know. This is what God is saying. I want you to know that you measure up more than you could ever imagine. I got my light on you. I see you. So with nine, verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. 20, praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Now this right here is getting into something else deep. 21, praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Now David is bossing up. 
like you do you realize David is <laughs> in this part of the song, David is bossing around the angels? That's what bossing up looks like. So I'm just wondering to myself, what did David know that we didn't to where he feels like he could boss the angels around? Like, man, I'm already praising God for myself. I'm already doing good for myself. I'm already thanking God for what he's doing for me. But hey, angels, y'all praise him. That's basically what this <laughs> what just happened right here. He basically said, angels, y'all get in there and praise him. You, angels, get in there and praise him. You, heavenly hosts, get up there and praise him. Join me as I praise him. But he's like delivering orders to the angels. And I'm like, wow, yo. And it made me think about something that got me into some deep research. And I feel like it's going to take a whole nother show to really explain this part. Where we're talking about him bossing around the angels. But what position do we really hold as human beings with angels? And I want to know if it was anything biblically that said it. I was reminded of a verse that talked about man being made lower than the angels. And then there's also one when I researched that. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 3, do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? So I'm like, I kind of had to think about it. Whoa, there's two different comparisons. We're higher than angels in one scenario, and then we're lower than angels. We have authority over them, but we're made lower than them. Like, I want to understand the correlation between those two verses. And that's back, exactly, I feel compelled to do that next week. So next week, we're going to study that and see exactly what the Bible is telling us in our like the hierarchy. Where, where do we sit with the angels? Because I talked about us... With the angels last week when I talked about in First Peter chapter two, and it talked about angels, and they got it was it was a mystery there too about why angels were gossiping about what we already know. Why do they? Why are they gossiping about what we already know? It's a blessing that we know, but it's like yeah, where do we sit with angels? So we're going to talk about that relationship next week. And when it comes to the last verse of this chapter, twenty-two, it says, "Praise the Lord, all His works, everywhere in His dominion." Praise the Lord, my soul. And it ends off there the same way it started. Praise the Lord, my soul. But in the King James Version, it says, bless the Lord in the first and the last verse. But even with that, I had to think, how do you bless the Lord? We always look at God blessing us, giving something favorable to us, giving us something cherishable or beneficial to us. How do we bless the Lord? And it's like, when it's directed towards God, I had to look that thing up because I'm like, how is that possible? How is somebody as lowly as me able to do anything of substance to the Almighty? I just didn't get it. So I asked the question. And basically what it said was this. When directed towards God, it's to pay homage or tribute to, to praise or to worship. That's how you bless God. Praise is blessing God. So that's why in some versions it says, I will bless the Lord and praise the Lord. So I think about it like this, too. How do you give something beneficial to the almighty? Well, worship is a way that we can connect to God on a deeper level. So for him to want that closeness with us already. That is how we bless God, because God blesses us not just with things, but with th something that's beneficial to us. Yet we bless the almighty, the all knowing by being close to him, by building a closeness, by having that desire and that want to know him deeper, understanding his nature. So that is how we bless the Lord. And of course, from the very top of it, David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And we we figured it out that the soul is not a, a body part or in a certain area of the body. It's all of it, all encompassing. I thank you guys for joining me this week. 
Like I said, I feel compelled to talk about the relationship of man and angels, and we're going to use the Bible to kind of piece this together because it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle, and it puts it together. I promise you it does. I pray this has been beneficial to you. I pray you go in peace. I pray I didn't ramble too long in between. But, yo, I, I kind of I feel this. Like, when I feel these, these verses, I want you guys to understand that I've been in a place where you are. I've been in a place where some of the people you look at as scum are. I've been one of them people that looked at them as scum. But, no, God don't look at none of us like that. So, you are all welcome. Come as you are. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your people. Tell somebody you don't like. Hey, man. The, the upside to this is going to be me telling you there's a, a podcast I want you to listen to. I don't know if it's going to benefit you, but me being the man of God or the woman of God I am, I feel like it's only right that I give you this information. It helped me out and maybe it'll help you too. So with that being said, you can lead them to water. You can't make them drink. Dig what I'm saying? <laughs> so I thank you guys for joining me once again. This has been Church with a Double Cup. I am none other than your brother, XL Wilbur. See you next week. Blessings. And brothers and sisters, I apologize I omitted to pray prior to the study beginning, and the study had already been recorded when I thought about it, and I had just jumped right into the lesson and didn't necessarily pray before we started the study as I had wanted to make a practice of. So forgive me for that, and join me in a word of prayer before we go our separate ways. Thank you, O Father, for just being in the midst of us. Thank you for your spirit, for revealing things to us. Thank you for your son Jesus and his sacrifice, which is the foundation of our faith. The outcome of our faith, as we have learned, is salvation of our souls. So we thank you for your salvation plan. We thank you for the plan you have for each and every one of our lives, and we just thank you for this area, this forum, this arena that we can share the word together, break it down and fully understand what it is you're telling us in the name of jesus we thank you as we go our ways we pray your wedge of protection over us and we pray that we can be a blessing to someone else and bring them closer to you as well in jesus name amen thank you brothers and sisters i'll see you next week just know god is bigger than anything you can put in front of you blessings and thank you lord for my faith from beyond blessed just to know with you, I'm safe, I overcome stress Walking in the dark, Tennessee tight Let your name be magnified, cause I survived the war twice Lord knows I used to come to church for the wrong reason Pastor